Welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're so glad to have you in the house today. You know, one of the things we've come to look forward to the very most here at Pearsons Ministries and Legacy Studios is family night. Now, some of you who've been watching Legacy Television for a while, you may already know what family night is, but there may be people watching who are new to us and new to this. Family night is just that. It's an opportunity that we take to get into the Word together, but we come into this living room right here where I'm sitting and we spend some time in worship together. We spend some time in the Word together and there's something something special, something unique that always happens when you get a group of people. There's a level of intimacy. There's a, there's a level of expectation that comes. And when that's put on God and on His Word, amazing things happen. We're watching just since the beginning of this year, Family Night really begin to grow, pick up speed and momentum and take shape and turn into something really beautiful. We wanna take you to family night right now. We want you just to pull up a seat right here in the living room, receive good things from God and from His Word. This is family night. Did you bring a Bible with you tonight? Like I said, we've got some new, oops, some new faces in here tonight, but uh, how many of you are here last month? Dale and Jill, I know you guys were here. Linda, you were here, our staff was here. Let me just quickly make an apology to you for last month. I tried to get so much into that service thinking that was like, I don't know, the last time I was gonna get to preach or something. <laughs> and it dawned on me later that the Lord was saying some things to us in last month's uh, family night that were getting ready to carry us into the next phase of where we're headed. And I, I really didn't see that coming and maybe I should have. But uh, on one hand, I'm glad we've got a lot of new faces in here tonight because I'm gonna say some things again that we touched on last week. But uh, I'm stirred up about some things tonight. Some of the things we began to discuss, but in the weeks that followed family night, man, the Lord started just opening up my heart to some things that I hadn't quite seen or I hadn't put enough value on. And uh, there's some things concerning the anointing. You know, we talked for months in here and Sarah and I ministered for months on the road since January on it can be done. You got to hold your finger up when you say it. It can be done. All things are possible with God and all things are possible to him who believes. And what is possible means it means it can be done. And man, the Lord has really helped us. And, and I will say too, Lauren, who really fields a lot of the phone calls, her and Courtney uh, get a lot of calls and a lot of emails into the office. And I think that's helped a lot of people. A lot of our partners over the last several months, the Lord was really talking to us. Um, I'm excited to tell you guys, we're getting ready to compile all those messages. And um, there's a, what, four disc series coming out in the next few weeks, next few months. So we're gonna make that available to you. And I know we're gonna come back to it. But having talked some about the anointing, Last month, I really sensed the Holy Spirit was saying, follow that, follow that step, follow that direction. So you've got, what do you, what do you have? Acts 10, Acts 10, Luke chapter four. If you guys would do me a favor and put Isaiah chapter 10 on the screen, you hold your place there where you've got it in Acts 10, Luke four. But let's look at Isaiah chapter 10 and remind ourselves of some things that the scripture says specifically about the anointing. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 You've heard this before. Let me read it to you again. It says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed. Why? Because of the, say it out loud, 
anointing. He said, the burden will be removed and the yoke will be destroyed because of one thing, the anointing. Now we looked at this in a couple of other translations. If you've got the Amplified Bible, that, that classic version of that, Amplified, I want you to see it there too because it kind of helps you understand a little bit more what the anointing is in reference to here. Look at what it says. It'll, it shall be in that day that the burden shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness. The yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness. I like it when these words get translated in a couple of different ways, depending on what translation you're looking at. It really helps you kind of understand what was all packed into that original word. In the New King James and other places, it was translated anointing. Here in the Amplified, you see the yoke will be destroyed because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. Now the yoke, we talked some about this, but you remember what a yoke is, a piece of farming equipment, something they would put on an animal to drive that animal, to restrict that animal. It couldn't just run away. It's being driven and being held and being restricted by this yoke. And he said, the yoke, you got to understand that Satan himself is in the burden building business. This is why he hates the anointing. This is why the devil is terrified of the anointing because Satan could take years, decades, generations building and installing a burden onto a person, onto a family, onto a group of people. And they become just so familiar with it and so used to it that they don't recognize it as this is an attack from the devil. They just think, well, you know, daddy had it and I've got it and his daddy's daddy had it. So I guess I'm probably going to die with it too. <laughs> Folks, these things ought not be. They should not be in our lives. These are burdens. These are yokes. And the reason Satan so hates the anointing is because something that he's worked for decades or generations or years maybe in your life or mine, some kind of burden that he's built and some yoke that he's installed on you, one moment under the anointing and the whole thing is lifted. The whole thing is destroyed. And I like, that's why I like the Amplified Bible. It says the yoke will be destroyed because of what? Anybody remember? Fatness. You almost got to say it like that too. Fatness. And I know in one sense, it's, it's not our favorite thing to talk about. It's not always considered a good thing. And every one of us at one time or another have looked in the mirror and said, I don't like what I see here. Uh, what is fatness though? It's just simply too much. It's increase. And... I'll uh, be real transparent and honest with you this morning. I, I went outside to get a little jog in, a little run. And it was a nice morning, took my shirt off. I'm just in the driveway, you know. And when you can see your shadow jiggle, that's too much. That's too much. And I came in, I said to Sarah, I was like, watch this. <laughs> that's too much. And I know in that sense, it's, we're not fans of that. I know I don't like it, but there is a good sense of it. Fatness, increase, growth. That's what he's talking about here. That's what the anointing does, increases. And the picture that he's painting is a yoke that's so completely destroyed because of the anointing or because of fatness. It's like that beast that the yoke was around somehow miraculously outgrew the thing and got so big that he busted right out of it. And it went on to say, because of fatness, which prevents it from even going around your neck. 
You know, you can so increase in the things of God. You can so increase in your relationship with him. You can so increase and grow in your fellowship with the word that things that used to be a yoke and a burden to you, you can literally outgrow them to a point where they are just busted right there where they're hanging on you. And Satan's going to look at you and say, you broke my yoke. You broke my yoke. And you're saying, dang right, so God, I broke your yoke. What broke it? Increase. Turned, changed, increased, grew. Go to where you're holding your place there in the book of Acts. And listen to what it says about Jesus in Acts chapter 10. Peter is preaching about Jesus and he says in verse 38, how God anointed Jesus. So when you see the word anointed or anointing, I want you to immediately think the burden removing yoke destroying power of God. Burden removing yoke destroying power of God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus was anointed with two things according to this verse, the Holy Spirit and with power. Now this word power just simply means strength. It means ability. Now, this is why it was so important for us to talk about this in the context of all things being possible and nothing being impossible to him who believes, to the one who's with God, because the word impossible literally just means no strength, weakness. And it doesn't matter how strong you are physically, how strong you are mentally, how strong you might be financially. Every one of us at some point or another, we're going to run to the end of that strength. And you live long enough, you're going to face something that's stronger than you are. You're going to face something that's bigger than you are. It's stronger physically, stronger mentally, stronger financially. No matter how much you've got, you keep living and you're going to come up against something that's stronger than you. Well, that's what the word impossible means is no strength, no ability. But God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power or with strength with ability. God gave him, when he gave him the Holy Spirit, he gave him the strength, the ability. And what did he do with it? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So what did Jesus do with this anointing, with the spirit on his life, with the power in his life? He went about doing good and healing all who were, say this word out loud, oppressed. He healed all who were oppressed by the devil, which says to me right away that sickness is in no way, no shape, no form, a gift or blessing from God. According to this verse from the Bible, <laughs> sickness is satanic oppression. It's oppression. And the Spirit of God was on Jesus, and he was anointed with the Spirit, anointed with power to deal with oppression, to deal with it. One more time, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, Luke chapter 4. I'm going to bounce you around to some scriptures tonight, but I want you to see a number of things from the word. 
Luke chapter 4. This is Jesus speaking, talking about the anointing. In verse 17, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Isn't that what we just read in the book of Acts chapter 10? How God anointed Jesus with what? The Holy Spirit and with power. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, I want you to notice something right here. What is the very next word after Jesus says he has anointed me? It's not the end of the sentence. It's not the end of the thought. He says, he has anointed me too. The anointing comes, but it's never for the sake of just being anointed. It's always to something. It's always for something. The anointing comes with an assignment. The anointing comes with a calling. The anointing comes with direction from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus didn't just stand up there and say, hey, y'all, I'm anointed. The Spirit's on me. I'm anointed. What are you anointed for? Nothing. Just, just anointed. Just covered up in oil. Just anointed. No. He anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me too. To do what? Why, Jesus, is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God on you? And he says, well, I'm glad you asked. It's on me to preach the gospel to the poor. Evidently, poverty is a burden and a yoke. Lack of any kind is a burden and it's a yoke. And Jesus was anointed to deal with it. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. What does the poor man need? He needs the gospel preached to him. You, you don't, it's, it's no wonder why there would be such resistance, such um, fighting really in the body of Christ the moment you mention the word prosperity. What a crazy mixed up world we live in when the word prosperity becomes a dirty word. Think about that. When people try to distance themselves from the concept of the word prosperity, be careful. What are you distancing yourself from? Jesus said the answer for the poor man is the gospel. The gospel being preached to him. It's no wonder Satan would try so hard to paint that word, that concept, that revelation in such a dirty light that people would try to distance themselves from the, well, I'm not really into that. I'm not, I'm not about that prosperity preaching. I just want to hear the gospel. That's what he said. That's what it is. That's what the gospel is. And you got to laugh when people call it the prosperity gospel. It's redundancy in terms. You've just said the gospel gospel. That's what it is. That's what it is. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Poverty is a burden and a yoke. Jesus has been anointed to lift it and destroy it. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. A broken heart is a burden and a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. What else did he say the anointing's on him for? He has sent me to heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to the captives 
liberty to the captives. Now, a captive is somebody who's held prisoner. So evidently being held captive, being held in bondage, being held prison to anything is a burden and it's a yoke. And it's one Jesus is anointed to destroy. Jesus is anointed to destroy the yoke, the burden that's held you, me, or anybody else in captivity. And I don't care if it's in captivity to poverty. I don't care if it's in captivity to sickness, if it's in captivity to addiction. But you, re- you do realize people are being held captive. They are prisoner to something. Most people all over this world are being held prisoner to something. And Jesus is anointed to proclaim liberty to the captive. Captivity is a burden and a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to proclaim liberty. What else? Recovery of sight to the blind. Blindness is a burden and a yoke. Now, natural blindness is bad enough, but let me tell you what's way worse. Spiritual blindness. Being able to, not being able to see, being spiritually blind is far worse than being naturally blind. That's why the apostle Paul prayed and said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light, that you would know the hope of his calling. But to walk around in darkness, like the vast majority of the rest of this world is walking, stumbling around, don't know what they're tripping over, can't see where they're going, can't see where the pitfalls are, can't see where the dangers are, and no hope. No hope. Because if you can't see, if there's no light, then you're destined to continue to trip over the same thing over and over and over again. But Jesus is anointed to lift the burden and destroy the yoke of blindness. What else did he say? The spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to set at liberty. There's that word again, liberty. All those who are oppressed. Did we just read that in Acts chapter 10? That the spirit, he was anointed with the spirit and with power, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed. This word oppressed just literally means bondage. Being held in bondage. And Jesus is anointed not only to preach liberty, but to actually set you free too. He's anointed to preach liberty, to set at liberty those who are in bondage. Now, with this in mind, I want you to go with me to the book of 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, begin in verse 20. He's writing here and he says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, it's one thing for me to stand here and say, Jesus is anointed. I guarantee you, you wouldn't find one Christian to disagree with that statement right there. Jesus is anointed. Jesus is anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus is anointed to set at liberty the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus is anointed to proclaim liberty to the oppressed and so on. Oh yeah, amen, brother. When you say Jesus is anointed, you got people that would agree with you. And that's what the word Christ is. It's what it means. Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus and his anointing. But according to the scriptures, you have an anointing. You do. Now, this is where people will kind of start looking at you funny. And they want to fuss with you a little bit. Well, Jesus was, but I'm not. You're not. 
Jesus was. Well, according to the Bible, <laughs> you have an anointing. And I like the way he said this. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Or I'd say it to you like this. You have an anointing from the anointed. The anointing that you have is some of his anointing. It's the same stuff. The same thing that was on him is on you. The same burden-removing, yoke-destroying power that he walked with and ministered with and demonstrated. It's on you, man. It's in you. You have an anointing from the anointed. And because of that anointing, he said, you know all things. Other translations say, you know uh, the truth, basically, is what he's getting at here. You know all things, or you know the truth. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Now translate that. What does Christ mean? The anointed one, his anointing. So he says, verse 22, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is anointed? He is antichrist or anti-anointing who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You want to know how to get on God's good side and stay there? Agree with him. Agree with him. Well, that's how you get on anybody's good side, really. Just like, yeah, I agree. I agree. But agree with him. Agree with him about what? Agree with God that Jesus is who God said he is. That's how you're born again. Do you realize that? The scripture talks to us about the power of agreement. Jesus said it, where two or more are gathered together in my name, I'm going to be there in the midst of them. If two or three come into agreement as touching this thing, it will be done for them by my Father. There's power in our agreement. Sarah and I have experienced that from the day we got married till this one. We have experienced so much power when she and I come into agreement concerning anything, concerning the kids, concerning their health, concerning finances, concerning the ministry. Whatever it is, we take some time come into agreement with each other based on the word. But the real power is not so much in she and I come into agreement, but she and I coming into agreement with him. There's the power in your agreement. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.